There are times in life, and we are in one right now, when, yes, we are challenged by the situations of life, but we are even more challenged by the promises of God. The promises of God that are as big as the God who makes the promises. And we are called upon not just to face the challenge, but to face His promises and to embrace His promises. And that is exactly what Joshua was called to do as he stood and he faced a unique hour as he stood before the nation of Israel and even more before God. Your Bible is Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. If you had rated Joshua 1 to 10 on this day, he would probably have been at the top of the scale. Because the challenges were there, but he was cascading in the promises of God. The book of Joshua presents God as a promise keeper. He has promised the nation of Israel years before that they would inherit a certain land. And on this day, they stand on the cusp of going over the Jordan River and entering the land that God had promised them so long ago. Joshua's name means Yahweh saves and delivers. And his name fit the challenge and the mission that God had given to him. As we join this story, Joshua and the nation of Israel are gathered on the plains of Moab, east of the Jordan River. Joshua chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and at this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the growing down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We're going to look at five promises 
that challenge Joshua as he prepares to take the leadership of the nation of Israel. Notice how the story begins. God looks at Joshua and says, Moses, my servant, is dead. It is the end of an era for the nation of Israel, for they have been led by Moses literally for decades. But it is time now to move on to a new era. The previous generation that Moses had led had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Now it is time for this new generation to move on to what God has for them. They're going to move to a new land with a new leader into a new era. Promise number one, God says, I give you the land. This was the land that God had promised them decades before. But because of their sin, they had wandered, the previous generation had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. But God says, Joshua, as you look out there, cross the Jordan, I am giving you the land. Now in the scriptures, as we will see, there are two types of promises. There are what are called unconditional promises. Unconditional promises are God says, I'm going to do this, and you don't have to do anything. You just sit back and you receive this promise. Those are called unconditional promises. Conditional promises are God says, I'm going to do something, but you've got to do something. And as you feel, fulfill your responsibility, so I will fulfill my responsibility. Now, God is going to give here five promises that we're going to look at. But these promises are conditional promises. God says He's going to do some things, but the nation of Israel and Joshua as their leader have to also assume their responsibility and carry through on their side of the bargain. He says to them, first, verse 3, I'm going to give you the land. Notice what he says in verse 3, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. And then he goes on and he gives a geographical description of where the contours and the boundaries of this land are. But he says, every place that the sole of your foot treads upon, I have given to you. It's given to you. It is already yours, but the way you claim it, the way you walk in the promise of it, the way you receive this promise is that you've got to move out and you've got to walk. And as you take step after step after step, every place your foot goes, you step into the promise, you walk onto the promise, and that land that you're standing on belongs to you. You take another step, and that next step belongs to you. That next chunk of land belongs to you. But you got to keep walking. you got to keep moving. And as long as you're walking and as long as you're moving, then you are claiming land. But if you step back and if you stop moving, then guess what? You don't get the land and you don't get the promises. In other words, Joshua, you and the people have got to act on faith. you got to step out on faith. It's like when you're in... A, Phys ed class. You can't just walk into a weightlifting room and look at the weights and say, man, you know, if I pick those weights up and start exercising with them, I'm going to get strong. I'll build muscle tissue. It isn't good enough to look at the weights and talk about the weights and what they can do. You've got to actually pick the weights up and start working with them. And that's what he's saying. You've got to step out in faith. You've got to exercise your faith. And if you're willing to exercise your faith, then you're going to get to claim that land. You see, faith pleases God and faith complements God. 
God had said this to Moses years ago when he looked at Moses and he said, Moses, if you'll step out on this holy ground and if you will come to me on this holy ground, then Moses, the holiness of my presence is going to belong to you. Now he's telling Joshua, you got to move out and you got to walk on this ground. And if you do that, then it's going to belong to you. Folks, what God calls us to do is to step out and to trust Him. And whatever challenge God gives us and whatever challenge God calls us to, there comes a point where we have to step out and we have to trust Him and we have to believe Him. And our belief in Him and our faith in Him is not just something that we sit back and we affirm. We have to live it. We have to take those tough steps of faith. But as we take those steps of faith... God sees that and God honors that and God says that place belongs to you and I've given it to you if you're just willing to step out and believe me in that place. Now verse 6, the phrase you're going to inherit the land is picked up in the New Testament and it is used for the enjoyment of the spiritual blessings that God gives us in salvation. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 and 4, Peter, writing to a group of Christians who were undergoing tremendous persecution for their faith, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is, and notice how he describes it, imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last day. Now he says that this inheritance that he has for us is imperishable. It is eternal. It is undefiled, not corrupted by sin. It is unfading. And that is that it doesn't get worn out over time. And he says it's kept in heaven for you. He has an inheritance for us, for us to walk in. And He has an inheritance for us in heaven. We've got to make the decision to walk in faith. Promise number one, I'm going to give you the land, but you've got to walk in faith if you're going to walk in the reality of my promises. Promise number two, No obstacle is going to stand before you. Notice what he says in verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. No obstacle is going to be able to stand before you. Now, in this particular case, the obstacles were going to be human beings. And they would face one obstacle of people opposing them after the other. Sometimes the obstacles that we face are other human beings. If you and I get caught up in trying to remove the obstacles, we will get overcome by those obstacles of other human beings. We will get defeated by those obstacles of other human beings. But if you and I will let God take care of removing the obstacles while we take care of moving out in faith, God is sufficient to take care of the obstacle if you and I will take the responsibility of taking one step of faith after another to trust Him. When we get all wrapped up in trying to remove the obstacles of other human beings from our lives, we end up not taking steps of faith. 
And so we don't end up going anywhere. Let God take care of the obstacles while we take care of stepping out in faith. Promise number three. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Verse five. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. Now think about that. How was God with Moses? When Joshua received this message, and he thought back through all those years of walking with Moses and dialoguing with Moses and being coached and mentored by Moses, and as he watched God work with Moses, and as he listened to Moses tell the story of his walk with God, what did he hear from Moses? What did he watch from Moses? God wasn't just with Moses in the sense that he was hanging out with Moses and Moses is okay because, you know, he and God had something going together. God was with Moses in very specific ways. He was with Moses by performing miracles with Moses, around Moses, and through Moses. He demonstrated his power through Moses by repeatedly delivering the children of Israel from one issue and problem after another. At crucial times, when it didn't look like they were going to have food to eat, God provided for them. When it didn't look like they were going to have water to drink, God provided for them. He was with Moses in provision. He was with Moses by changing the situations, acting in the situations, keeping his promises and his words to Moses. And he placed in Moses' hand what Moses needed at any particular specific time to be just what Moses needed in that hour. Whether he needed a miracle, whether he needed a rod to turn into a snake, whether he needed a staff, you name it. But God placed in Moses' hand what he needed in every situation in that moment that was perfect for that situation. So when God says to Joshua, Joshua, I'm going to be with you like I was with Moses, Joshua knew that what that meant was that God was going to be there to perform miracles. God was going to be there to demonstrate power. God was going to be there to deliver, to provide, to act, to change, to keep His promises. God was going to be with, there, with him to place in his hands and to place in his life whatever he needed in that moment. And you see, God's promise to us is the same. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But he's not just with you to have a presence with you. He is with you to be what you and I need and to place into our hands whatever we need in any given situation and hour to provide, to demonstrate His power, to deliver, to protect. We've just got to believe Him for it and look for His provision and discern Him. Promise number four. He repeatedly says this. We saw it last week. We see it this week. I will never leave you nor forsake you. The idea there is I will not loosen my grip on you or relinquish you. I'm going to hold on to you. I will not let go of you. No matter what you face, Joshua, no matter what you come up against, I'm not going to let go of you and nothing can force my hand to let go of you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Now in verse 9, he repeats this promise. Have not I commanded you, be strong and courageous, don't be frightened, don't be dismayed. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Notice the conjunction there. The Lord your God is with you 
wherever you go. This same Hebrew conjunction that is translated with in Joshua 1.9 is also used in the Hebrew title for Christ, Emmanuel, which literally is translated, with us is God. It speaks of companionship. It speaks of the common experience of suffering and prosperity. In other words, God is saying, I'm going to be with you when you suffer. I'm going to be with you when you prosper. I'm going to be with you right beside you. It's not a matter of whether we feel His presence or not. It is the fact and reality of the promise of His presence. When he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, the the Hebrew concept here is also fascinating because it means to overshadow something by huddling together. To overshadow something by huddling together. Let me use two illustrations. Have you ever been outside on a hot summer day? It's about 90 to 100 degrees and you got intense humidity. And there is a tree, a big, let's say, oak tree, with big, long branches and nice big leaves. And you go over and you huddle with the tree. You go over there and you stand under that tree. Maybe you lean up against that tree, but you stay under that tree. What happens? That tree blocks the sun. That tree, it feels like it's about 10 degrees cooler underneath that tree. You just want to huddle with the tree because the tree is knocking out the heat. It's knocking out the intense sun. And that tree is doing for you what you cannot do for yourself. And that tree, as you huddle with it, is giving you what you need. That is the idea of the Hebrew concept when he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Life is boiling down on you like a hot sun and the humidity is high and you're sweating your head off and you're wearing out and he says come huddle with me in the shade of who I am and I'll bring the temperature down and you can get through it as you huddle with me. The second idea picture I want to give you is that usually most families have got somebody in their family who is a strong steady calm presence, no matter what the family goes through. Think about somebody either in your immediate family or your extended family, that if there's a tragedy in the family, or there's a tough time in the family, or whatever it happens to be, people just naturally gravitate towards that person and huddle with that person, because they are calm, they are steady, and they are strong. And so, folks, huddle with them. That's the idea of the passage here. God is saying, huddle with me. I will be the strong, steady, calm presence in your life. Huddle with me. I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Promise number five. You will have good success wherever you go. Verses 7 and 8. You will have good success wherever you go. Now notice verse 8. What he says in this promise. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night. 
so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now, it's a conditional promise. I'm going to make your way prosperous, and you will have good success if you live out and practice the first part of this verse. Now, we're going to look at God's commitment and promise to us, and then we're going to look at what we have to do in order to enjoy and receive and walk in this promise. First of all, he says in verse 8, I'm going to make your way prosperous. The word that's translated way there has got two basic word pictures behind it. Remember I keep telling you that Hebrews got, you communicates through word pictures. First word picture here is from archery. And when you take a bow, and in the ancient world when you took a bow and you strung the bow, you would do what you, they call treading on that string that was placed on the bow. And the way you would tread on that string helped to determine and set the course that the arrow was going to go in. So treading the bow was very important because it would determine the course and the strength when that arrow was let go off of that string. If you didn't tread the bow correctly, I don't care where you aimed the arrow, the arrow was going to fly anywhere it wanted to. And what he's saying here is when he says, I'm going to make your way prosperous, is he's saying, I'm going to tread the string of your life so that your life, like an arrow, shoots in the right direction. If you're not treading your life by the Word of God, then your life is going to go in crazy directions. It's not going to go to the Lord. It's not going to go to the success that God wants to give you. So let God, through His Word, do what? He says, tread that string on that bow so that when the arrow of your life is released, it's going to go in a direction that prospers you. Otherwise, the direction of your life is going to be all over the place. You see, the reason so many people live lives that their lives never amount to anything and their lives get them in trouble, etc., is because they're not allowing the Lord to tread the string of the bow of their lives. The second idea of the word way there means a path that is worn by constant walking, constant actions, constant behavior, and a constant reputation. I want to say that again. It is a path that is worn by constant walking, constant action, constant behavior, and constant reputation. Now, notice that I used one word over and over and over again, and that's the word constant. You see, when we make constant decisions and actions and behavior and reputation, that's what sets our lives in the direction that God can prosper and give good success to what we do. But we have to do that constantly. It's a path that's well-worn. In other words, you walk that way over and over and over again. Now, some people will make comments like this. Well, I go to church on Sunday, or in this case, I watch it live on Sunday. Or I read my Bible every now and then. Or I pray every now and then. But I don't understand why God isn't blessing. Or I don't understand why I got messed up over here, etc., etc. The problem is we're not wearing the path out. We're just going down the path once in a while when it's convenient to us. He says, you've got to wear the path out in my word. Just looking at the path, saying nice things about the path, or going down the path every now and then doesn't get it. He says, you've got to wear the path out. There's got to be an action there. There's got to be behavior there. There's got to be reputation there. It's got to be over and over and over again that I'm going down the path of his word. Now, the word where he says, I'm going to make your way prosperous, the word there means to push 
forward. To push forward. In other words, God's saying, I'm going to push you forward in life. Some of you that are listening to me right now, you can't feel like you can get one foot in front of the other. All of us have times like that. Particularly when we get down and depressed. I can't feel like I can make one foot get in front of the other. And God says, when you feel like that, don't worry. Walk in my word and I'll push you forward. I'll give you the energy to push you forward in life. I'll make your way, he says, prosperous. Now let me tell you what the Hebrew word prosperous there does not mean. It does not mean rich. God is not saying, I'm going to make you rich. So if you and I are trying to claim the promises of God and saying God's committed himself to make us rich, that is not the idea of this word. It is rather this, that we begin to live out and continue to live out the purpose of God for our lives. The destiny that God has for our lives, we begin to walk in and realize. So let me tell you what will happen when you begin to prosper in the will of God, when you begin to have the success of living out the will of God. And when I talk about living out the will of God, there are several layers to that. One is, yes, being in the right place where God wants us, doing what God wants us to do. But it is also doing it with the attitude and the disposition that God would have us and the joy of the Lord. There, it's easy sometimes to do God's work, but to do it in an ungodly way. And that doesn't accomplish anything. This idea of prosperity and good success is that God is saying to us, you will walk in my will, you will walk in the purpose that I have for you, you will be drawn into and caught up into what I am seeking to accomplish in this world, in your neighborhood, in your family, and in terms of eternity. That's what this is about. And folks, when you and I do that, deep on the inside of us, there's going to be this incredible sense of peace and satisfaction. I'm where God wants me. I'm doing what God wants me to do. I am doing it with a Christ-like attitude. And there's that sense of peace and that sense of satisfaction. Now notice the word he says, you're going to do it with good success. The word, Hebrew word there means wisdom. You're going to do it with good wisdom. You're going to make good decisions. Life is a journey of making either good decisions or bad decisions. Success is either making a series of good decisions and a lack of success is making a series of bad decisions. Reputation at any point in our lives is the accumulation of either good decisions or bad decisions. If I have an accumulation of good decisions, I've got a good reputation. If I've got an accumulation of bad decisions, then I'm going to eventually have a bad reputation. The idea of success is making good, wise decisions. It is the ability to think through complex situations and deal well with them. Sometimes we're going to be handed circumstances in life that totally perplex us. We're going to stand there and we're going to look and we're going to say, I don't have a clue as to how to make a decision here. I don't have a clue as to how to move forward in this situation. As we will see in the coming weeks, over and over and over again, Joshua was faced with circumstances that just totally overwhelmed him. 
He moved from a 10 on the scale down to about a 2 on the scale. And God says, don't freak out when you're in that situation. Because I will give you the wisdom. I will guide you with the wisdom to make those good decisions in those complex situations. He says in verse 7, be strong and courageous. The idea there is be impenetrable. In other words, don't let fear get into you. Because when we let fear get into us, that's when we start making the decisions and that's when we start making the bad decisions, the stupid decisions. He says, don't let the fear penetrate into who you are. Now, what was Joshua's responsibility? What's our responsibility in these promises? Notice verse 7. He says, be careful to do all of the law. In other words, everything that Joshua had up to that point, crystallized in the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. He says, be careful to do all of it. Now, he uses a word here that we Baptists don't use a whole lot, meditate. Now, it's a biblical word, meditate. It is the idea of preserving it, guarding it, watching over it, giving careful attention to it. When I was growing up as a boy, my mother, every August, would travel down to that farm that I've talked about in Gretna, and they would pick all kinds of berries, and then they would make what they call preserves. Now, I used to watch my mother and my aunt make the preserves, and they would work over whatever particular fruit it was, boil it, be very careful about how they put it in the jars and sealed it. And it was called preserves because it was the fruit, gelatin, etc. was preserved for when you wanted to use it. Now that would be on hot August days. On cold February mornings, my mother would get a jar of those preserves that were preserved since August and put them on toast and they were great because they had been preserved. They were ready for the moment because they had been preserved. What God is saying is put my word inside of you. Get it preserved inside of you because when the day comes that you need it, it's really ready to go. Preserve my word in you. Look over it carefully. Give it careful attention. Do I pay as much attention to the word of God that goes into me as to the food that I eat going into me? Give it careful attention, he says. Meditate on it. Now, how do you meditate? You take the Word of God and you pray over it. You listen to what God is saying to you. Prayer, listening to the Word, equals meditation. Prayer, listening to the Word, equals meditation. One more time. Prayer. Listening to the Word is meditation. This idea of being careful to do all that I've told you to do. And then he moves on in verse 8. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. In other words, keep the Word in your mouth. Speak the Word. Let the Word 
determine what comes out of our mouths. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do all that is in it. Notice again that you will be careful to do all that is in it. That is obedience. Jesus said in Matthew 6 verse 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. He's basically taking this promise and reiterating it in Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of God in our lives, and His righteousness living by His commands. And that's not that hard. If you, just, you and I just get down the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, that pretty much covers it. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And what's His promise? All these things will be added to you. But all these things are not going to be added to us until we first seek the kingdom, seek His rule and reign in our lives, and seek His righteousness inside of us. we got to do the seeking first, and then He's going to do the adding that comes after that. I'm seeking His rule, His reign in my life, and I am seeking His righteousness, that is His character in who I am and what I am. And as I do that, God's going to do several things in our lives. He is going to prosper us. He's going to line our lives up like an arrow to shoot in the direction of the purpose He has for our lives. He's going to build His strength in us so that we can live a life that is filled with His courage to live out His commandments and what He has for us. And I want to say something as an aside. Some of you that are listening to me, you grew up in an environment or have lived for a long time in an environment where you have been put down and beat down, and after a while you have become an expert at putting and beating down yourself. So you put up with all kinds of crud in your environment that you know in your heart is wrong because you don't have enough self-esteem to have the courage to say, I'm not going to participate in that and that's wrong or you're not going to run over me anymore or this isn't going to go in this situation or in this family because it's wrong, it's not healthy, it's not good. Because you're just so scared of people's rejections, so scared of what they're going to say, so scared of, of losing them, so scared of whatever. That fear has permeated into your life, and that fear has become a big chunk of who you are. And what God is saying when He says you've got to be strong and you've got to be courageous is that you've got to take that character that He talks about here... You've got to take the rulership of Jesus, the lordship of Jesus in your life, and you've got to say, I am going to take one courageous step after the other, and I'm going to move in what God has for me. I'm not going to move in the fear anymore. I'm not going to move in the opinions of other people anymore. I'm not going to live as a slave any longer to the approval of other people. I'm not going to let things go that I know don't please the Lord simply because I'm too scared of the blowback. I'm going to do what's right because God is going to give me the courage, but I'm going to have to take those steps of faith. 
God isn't going to take the steps of faith for us. He's going to do everything He can to encourage us and walk with us, and He'll take the step with us, but He will not take the step for us. I'm going to say that again. God will take the step with you, but He will not take the step for you. That is our responsibility. Joshua, if he was going to be the leader that he had to be, had to live by the promises of God, be challenged by those promises, and walk in those promises. Whatever the challenge, our God is bigger, and His promises are bigger. We just have to choose to walk, to take that step of faith, and those steps of faith in His promises. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you this morning that whatever the steps are that you call us to take, that you take those steps with us and you challenge us by your promises. And we bless you for that. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, the challenge that God gives us this day is to walk in His promises. We've just outlined five of them. And it is the challenge also to trust Him. Because to walk in His promises, we have to trust Him. And if you've never had a time in your life when you've said, I will trust Jesus Christ with my life. Not, I will just trust Him to read the Bible every now and then. Not that I will trust Him just to show up in church every now and then. But I will trust Jesus with my life and with my eternity. Is that a big step of faith? You better believe it is. I will trust Him more than the pleasure of sin and disobedience. I will trust Him more than the fear of the opinions of other people if I decide to follow Him. I'm going to trust Jesus more than what other people have said to me about living my life apart from Him. I am going to trust Jesus and follow Him. If you are willing to make that decision today, I want to ask you, I want to encourage you to pray a simple prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I trust you with my life and my future today. Jesus, with your help, I will take the steps each day to follow you. In your name I pray, amen.